0: I'm excited for you to hear today's episode. Let's get into the show. All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Maxim CY Show. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Jeff Palmer. Jeff, how are you doing today? Good.
1: Great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, I'm very excited for us to chat because today we're going to be talking about vegan masculinity, which is something that um, has been uh, talked about often, especially since we spoke about it. I've been like seeing more of it. Um, and I think you're a great person to talk about that because you know, most people think of vegans as skinny and weak for these guys are watching the live, Jeff, just a little flex for people to see what, what plants can do. <laughs> Jeff's biceps are the size of my head ultimately. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff, I'm curious, like just a little background for people that don't know who you are. Um, how did you get into, into the sport of bodybuilding? How did you become vegan and kind
1: of what led you here? Yeah. So uh, long, uh, I mean, uh... I became vegan 38 years ago. So I didn't even realize there was a word vegan back then. Um, so somebody actually walked up and told me after I'd been calling myself a strict vegetarian because I just didn't I had never even heard of the word vegan before. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, and and during that change, there wasn't there was there was no social media, there was no internet for any intents and purposes other than the military use. Um Uh, So there was no major books written. There were uh, no movies out there. There were really nothing in the way. So my change kind of came from within. And I was a swimmer in high school and college. And um, by the time I got into college, I realized the difference between the top 5% and the top 1% is huge. Yes. <laughs> so, I broke records in in high school. And I thought, well, I'm gonna go places and then I get to college and I'm like <laughs> yeah. I, I quickly realized there's a difference between elite uh, performance. And of course, that's what really tapped me into nutrition. And when I realized I was eating five to 8,000 calories a day and, you know, still maintained 6% body fat, yeah, uh, which yeah. is what uh, most people would normally just call obese, uh, which is where our country is at right now. So I really got the connection between nutrition, uh, performance uh, through, through competitive, uh, training. Uh, I also picked up weight training at that time and I just loved it. And look, getting in the pool, having my hair fall out from all the chlorine and turn bleached out. You
0: know, it smell dry like chlorine.
1: Skin. It, it smell like chlorine content. It's just, just, okay. All right. This isn't working for me, but I love working out. I love the yeah. fitness part of it. I loved the way it made me feel. I loved the clarity of thinking, the positive mood elevation. All of it was just great. But when I became vegan, I realized, okay, I don't want to contribute to animal suffering ever again. I suffered Mm. with clinical depression. And once I had a breakthrough that really reversed that, I felt so grateful from being released of my own pain as that's it. I'm never contributing to that kind of suffering again. And Mm -hmm. I just said, that's it, I'll never eat another animal product, period. Um, So the transformation was huge for me, but it was from the inside out. It wasn't something that came to me from the outside. It was something that happened to me personally that created that change. But I really was looking for some way of paying this forward. I, you know, my depression, I've never suffered a single day of depression in 38 years. Uh, my health improved, my skin improved. I'm 60 years of age and I don't, I'm not you know, people- say, Don't look 60. Yeah, like, how does your skin look like that at 60? You know? It's the plants, it, it really is. And I really want to tout, you know, the benefit, but right now we're living in, especially in America, one of the most polarized times ever. Um, and people tend to be dogmatic, tend to be confrontational, especially in social media and there and I'm like how, how can I get beyond this polarization because this is really good news this is empowering information that anybody can use to better their own health it's not about me being right you being wrong you know vegans being better than that herbivore versus om- I don't care about any of that I care about helping people mm-hmm. and so I was like all right but how can I break through this this dialogue that you know puts up the blockades This is someone finds out I'm vegan I was at a veg fest and uh, a girl a woman walked up to me and said oh my god my boyfriend's never gonna believe this and I said what's that and she goes the size of your arms (laughs) 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 because I was wearing a vegan t-shirt and it kind of clicked for me right there she goes you mind if I take a picture because my boyfriend's not gonna believe this and uh he doesn't believe you can build muscle I mean and I'm like okay, there's there's a way maybe I can reach other men. Yeah. And so I really uh, aggressively pursued that, including getting into bodybuilding, uh, natural bodybuilding. Uh, for those of you who don't know the difference, there's drug use and then there's drug tested. Those are called natural yeah. bodybuilding competitions. I became, a, you know, in my 50s, I became a natural bodybuilding champion. Uh, in my late 50s, I became a natural physique champion. Um, so it's, it was amazing to be on the stage in my fifties and now 60, uh, you know, competing. And I said, this is, this is a wonderful way to bridge that communication gap. You Mm -hmm. know, it's wow. You built that on plants. Yeah. And look, I'm a science geek. I was a biopsych major in college. So I was used to reading all the studies and I'm fascinated by human health and nutrition, but I was noticing really strong correlations between diet and, and overall health and fitness. And the more I really dug into this, the more I saw, because my father was a college professor, English professor, my mother was a psychologist. And so I was raised in academic circles. And of course, when I went vegan, all the questions, all the challenges, but what about protein? What about omegas? What about, you know? And so I went and started combing through the studies and I've been reading studies for over 30 years. And I pulled together some of the most amazing research that really abundantly, clearly shows what we're doing when we eat. And I'm trying to share that information, again, not to make anybody wrong or Mm -hmm. criticize somebody or try to take away anything from anybody. I'm trying to give or provide information that people could use, or not their choice, but people mm. could use to improve their own health or make decisions for themselves that will lead them down a different path than eat the standard American diet, get the standard American diseases, get become obese, see the doctors, see the use the pharmaceutical drugs, go to the hospitals, get sick and die. It doesn't have to be that path. There is a different path to choose where you end up being healthy your entire life and die peacefully in your sleep at 100 plus years old. That's the way humans should work. And that's not what we're seeing. And we've grown accustomed to this being the norm. Yeah. Now, in my communication, I've found really, really strong resistance on the men's side. And... (laughs) Women are so I'm... much, so much
0: more <laughs> rapid to make that transition, but man, there's like so much resistance for sure.
1: And 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 I really feel there is a strong emotional element of this. And I know guys don't like to call themselves emotional, but very passionate emotions, huh? mm-hmm. have strong enough emotions to kill other human beings. That's pretty yeah. strong, yeah. powerful emotions. Um, but in in those emotions, we can grow attached to things that make us comfortable and right now we're raised by family members who didn't know that this food source was killing them and told them that was norm so we grew up with our parents who we trusted to guide us in the right information then we get to schools and all the school books are by the usda you know telling you this is the way you should be eating Mm -hmm. So we trusted the school system, and then we get up, and then we finally get sick, but we trust the doctors who are saying, "No, just keep eating what you want. You just take these drugs, and you don't have." So there's there's validation that that's normal, you know, that that's the way things are done. And there's a stronger element of it that if I change, I'm going to be ostracized by my peers. Yeah, I'm going to be made fun of, I'm going to be called, you know, names or, oh, we don't want to eat with you because you're weird or you're strange. That fear of not being accepted is stronger in males, I believe, than even in females.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a fun, it's a fundamental fear, right? Because yes. I think it's internally wired that when we were in tribes, if you were ostracized and you were kicked out, like it would equal death because you're on your own at this point. Right. So we want totally. to be a part of something.
1: Yes. And, and I think there's some truth to that. Even, you know, you get ostracized at work, you're not going to be able to be a, as good a provider because you can't move up the ladder. If yeah. you are ostracized in your, in your groups, you won't be able to have that social element. If you're ostracized amongst your preferred attracted partner, then mm. you're not going to get the partner of your choice. So there's yeah. a lot of built-in fear there. And some of it is valid, but at the same time, what is masculinity? Masculinity is bravery. Well, that's not brave if you're cowering to being afraid of what other people think. That's yeah. not bravery. It's strength. Well, it's not strong to not change. It's, mm-hmm. It takes a lot of strength to stand up and speak the truth in front of a group, even though you have that fear of ostracism. These are, these are actually true masculine traits to do Mm -hmm. something like this. So that's, that's what I really want to get back to is what is masculinity? And I've put together a whole presentation that we can go over on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We definitely, we definitely dive into that. I just want to add a part to, you know, this human has only few psychological fears, right? We fear not being enough and we fear not belonging. Those are the two main ones that, Drive a lot of our decisions in life. If we don't try, that we won't fail. Therefore, we cannot not be good enough because we never tried, right? Right. And then if we try to stand out or do not necessarily want to stand out, but do something different, we could be left out of the tribe ultimately. And then there's just that deep internal survival wiring of, Mm -hmm. I won't last a long time if I do this. So when you start to become aware of these two things, it makes it a lot easier to start to make different decisions versus if you're just operating and, and numb the whole way through.
1: And, and there's another aspect of men, men like to be right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and women if, too. <laughs> yeah. like but I think, I think men have a bigger mental, emotional, psycho-emotional <laughs> need to be right about things, but you know, in that there's safety in numbers. Well, if if I'm wrong, then everybody else is wrong. So it can't be kind of thing. You can Mm -hmm. hide within a group as saying, but everybody else is doing it, right? That's the way my ancestors always ate, you know, through time and through larger circles. All the doctors say we're omnivores, right? So there's safety in that. If you step outside that, even though you are aware of the truth, you put yourself at risk again of Mm -hmm. being called not right. And I think we value ourselves on how much right we can be, you know, you sit in a boardroom and the person who has the right answer, right. You know, they stand out, they get the raise, they get the more money, you know, in a classroom, you raise your hand, you have the right answer. Oh, that that's the smart kid, you know? Yeah. Um, And, and to impress, you know, the, the person that you're trying to attract if you show your level of intelligence, Oh, I I know this, I'm right. You know, then, Oh, that's Mm -hmm. confidence. That's somebody's who knows what they're doing. I feel safe with that person. So there's a whole lot of psychosocial elements built into this, but what I want to dig into is the physiological aspects and the health aspects, because men in this attachment to this emotional fear, we're killing ourselves. We're Mm -hmm. destroying our lives and we're demasculinizing ourselves through our dietary choices. And, and that's a shame. We shouldn't be attaching ourselves to something that's killing us. You know, Mm. Uh, we shouldn't be attaching to something that's reducing our virility, reducing our masculinity, reducing our ability to procreate. These are the foundational elements of what it means to be a man Mm -hmm. and the science is pretty clear on these, and we'll go over that in the presentation.
0: Yeah, well, let, let's jump into it. Um, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it and, and, and hear it. And for the people that are uh, listening on podcast, we're gonna, you know, describe. Jeff is gonna do, you know, explain what's on there. But if not, the video will be available on YouTube as well, so you can go ahead and watch it. And I'll link the slide down below as well, so you guys have access to it. While you pull that up, having a conversation with my dad about like the 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 argument of eating carnivore and how that's like the manlier thing to eat because you know we come from I, I think I've shared this with you. I come from a farming background. My dad used to hunt and it's like, well you kill your own meat, you eat your own meat. Right. And that was like the kind of the manliness aspect to it. But then I was like, dad, we're like we're in 2023 at a different time. You don't need to hunt anymore. Right? <laughs> you go to a grocery <laughs> store <laughs> eat something that's better for you. There's other options now.
1: Right. And and what is that food actually? doing to us physiological yeah um, you know a long time ago the research it's funny when i i bring up research i get often times oh but you're being biased you know you, that's that's research that supports your opinion well of course everyone is biased <laughs> everyone yeah. has an opinion so of course you're going to show research that supports you that's that's the point of the research <laughs> but yeah. the real question here is you know, if everybody is acceptance of the status quo that everybody should be eating meat or is omnivore, we'll never question that. We'll never actually see research in that. And for the longest time, many decades, I never saw any research that included vegans in the research, that included those eating a plant-pure diet. There was just not the research because they didn't care. They weren't looking for that. They weren't asking those questions.
0: Yeah, and it's have blinders on, ultimately, you're just, you know, choosing not to look at other areas.
1: So they made so many assumptions based on uh, those eating a mixed or omnivorous diet of of animals and, and plants. That they yeah. as- made some assumptions about a lot of things that that's normal. Well, it's not normal if it's unhealthy, if you have a sick person there. That should not be normal. Normal should be the healthy state of a human being.
0: Yeah, and it's where you look at things. So being in the world of veganism, I see people like you. I see people like Robert. I see people like there's there's a ton of people that are in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and 70s that are in extremely great shape and that have been vegan not only for like two, five years, but like 10, 20, 30 years I don't, I I personally, on a personal level, don't know any massive meat eaters or carnivores that have been eating like that their whole life that are healthy in their 50s, 60s, or 70s. I I just don't know of any of them. And I come from the farming background, so I'm exposed to kind of a little bit of both worlds. Anyone I know that's in really great shape, that's past 40, 50, 60, 70, has been eating plant-based for an extended period of time.
1: Well, and to compound that problem, most men won't go to a doctor. (laughs) So they have silent disease killers going on Mm -hmm. and they're just not aware of it. Like atherosclerosis, they call it the silent killer because you you don't know that you have a blockage until you have a heart attack. And then it's too late. You've got a few minutes to get the blood flowing again or you're dead. Same Mm -hmm. with a stroke. You know, the damage is done by that point. But it's taken 20, 30, 40 years to build up to that point. But yeah. you didn't know it. So, oh, I'm healthy, I'm fit, and then then they drop dead the next week. <laughs> well, then no, you weren't healthy. You just did, were ignoring what was going on inside your body because you weren't getting regular checkups. You didn't see the uh, atherosclerosis or the diabetes forming in you because you didn't notice the difference. The changes happen so slowly. It's like the yeah. the the old. Uh, Adage of putting a you put a frog in uh, water and then slowly yeah. raise the temperature, it won't know the difference until it's boiled alive. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a little bit about me. I'm um, a founder of Clean Machine, and the reason I developed a company is to encourage people to keep this amazing machine we're born into the human body clean and natural and and free of animal products, so that you can live an optimal life. You can live a life that you love and enjoy and stay healthy and not suffer throughout your whole lifetime. I'm an author, speaker, being a patent holder in uh, proteins. I developed the first protein to mirror human muscle tissue. Uh, I know that may sound a little macabre, but basically from plants, you can get the actual amino acids, the exact amino acids you need to build muscle. I've been vegan for 38 years, so I'm in my 39th year of vegan's almost four decades.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, you know, awesome. a lot of
1: people will say, "Oh, you got that muscle from eating meat." And I'm like, "No, the human that's body a typical replaces, argument. <laughs> human body replaces meat uh, our muscle tissue uh, about once every 7 years roughly. Uh so I've replaced every bit of tissue in my body multiple times over. mm
0: mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: Um, I was, uh, chosen by Plant-Based News as, uh, the, uh, number 40 most influential vegan in the world. Uh, so some people say, oh, uh, you got that way because of genetics. Well, this is me. <laughs> this is a scrappy little kid. <laughs> so, uh, weighing a scrappy, uh, 85 pounds, uh, and uh, me at 190 pounds of bodybuilding competition. Yeah, All I can natural. see some
0: good tricep genetics. <laughs> yes,
1: <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> so 100% drug free, I'm 60 years of age, so I'm showing what can be accomplished well into your late years of age um, and without eating any animal products of any origin. That's no eggs, no dairy, no milk, no cheese, no meat or fish, nothing from an animal. Um, and two times bodybuilding champion. So some four keys of uh, masculinity are to be a good provider. Um, and obviously you need that for survival, right? To provide food, um, to be a good protector so that you can keep you yourself and your family from harm, to be virile, uh, which include having uh, healthy testosterone levels, Uh, so that you can attract a mate. And of course, then to attract a mate, number four, reproduction. Mm -hmm. And that's the way the species survives. So these are four basic foundational principles of all living species, but for the male gender to Mm -hmm. um, be able to do it. Now, some of those gender roles change. Uh, There can be females in certain species that actually end up being the protectors where mm-hmm. males are very passive. But in our case, it's it's this way. Mm-hmm. So that became this, <laughs> that meat equals masculinity, and the process goes that meat equals protein. Protein equals muscle. Muscle equals strength, and strength equals masculinity. So that's how we got this concept that meat equals masculinity. but. This is actually a sales (laughs) tool. Mm -hmm. This is a a concept that was created after mostly dominantly in the United States after World War II to get people to eat more animal products. It was a sales campaign, an extraordinarily successful sales campaign. Probably
0: one of the most successful ones
1: ever. (laughs) <laughs> yes I mean probably yeah I mean even more so than tobacco or things like that because once people realize that tobacco was killing then it kind of has dropped off significantly hasn't gone yeah. away yet um but they said to smoke was masculine you know yeah it was sexy it was you know and they build it the same way that meat is masculine but this is a sales campaign. This is propaganda created by the animal industry, the meat industry to get people to eat and consume more of their products, plain and simple. This is an advertising ploy, but it convinced a lot of people this. And why? Because just like deodorants, you know, sales, (laughs) they prey on a fear. A fear Mm -hmm. that if you smell bad, you're not going to be attracted to who you want to be attracted to you. So they play, they up that fear. You must use the deodorant, otherwise you're never going to get laid, right? (laughs) The axe
0: commercials where all the guns exactly.
1: Right? So they're playing on human fears. And the human fear is that if you don't eat enough meat, you can't build muscle and then you won't attract the partner that you're looking for.
0: Which is funny because usually it attracts the opposite sex to have bigger muscles. Usually the, the girls won't. For the guys who want to start working out for the girls, like the girls aren't attracted to it. It's the other guys, like, hey, how'd your arms get that big? How'd you go to your legs this much?
1: <laughs>
0: <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, that's a great list. I know all of those guys. Yeah. That's a great yeah, list. Yeah.
1: Unfortunately, we've had quite a uh, rash of um, bodybuilders, professional bodybuilders. Um, Who have passed, especially recently, just within the last uh, two years, some of the top bodybuilders in the United States have all died of a heart attack. George Peterson died at 37 Mm -hmm. uh, of a heart attack. Sean Roden, 46, dead of a heart attack. Uh, Boston Lloyd, an up-and-comer, 29 years old. 29. Yeah, I saw that. and and Cedric McMillan, 44, and a heart attack. I mean, 20s, 30s, 40s, dead of a heart attack? Game over already? So this is, uh, obviously, this is a extreme version of masculinity in using steroids for bodybuilding, but it's that kind of stress that we're putting on our hearts and the amount of meat and proteins and animal products that are clogging our arteries that accelerate this path to a heart attack. Now, Mm -hmm. a great study came out just recently showing based on our genetics and comparative anatomy to all other species in the animal kingdom, the mammal kingdom, human beings are designed to last till about 122 years of age. Now, if we're dying of a heart attack at 30 or 40, we're not even living a third of our intended appropriate maximum lifespan. Yeah. That's not survival. That's accelerated death. (laughs) Yeah. That's killing yourself through food. So here's the problem. Um, They did a survey in Australia and found that 73% of men would rather reduce their life expectancy up to 10 years than stop eating meat.
0: Yeah, I'm not even surprised by that. I'm not even surprised (laughs) by that.
1: And I think the vast majority of American men would probably be 80 to 90% in America, Um, which is sad that that we don't value life that much. We value a hamburger more than we value 10 years of our own life. The experience of life, to love, to share, to laugh, to have fun, to enjoy life. We give up 10 years of that just so we can eat a hamburger? Seriously? Wow it's even a shame that 47% of women view eating meat as a masculine undertaking so the this this advertising campaign is so successful it's even convinced women <laughs> that that meat is masculine
0: yeah i back when i was dating the vegan aspect was was a big one and i just got to the point like, well i don't want to be with you if you can't comprehend that i'm eating plant-based. I'm not going to go back to eating meat to impress anyone. I'm not going to shorten my lifespan just to like, just to be a bit more manly ultimately. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's, it's not manly and that's the unfortunate part. The, this, this study called estimating the impact of food choices on life expectancy actually answered what men are actually giving up. And in a, if you change to a predominantly plant-based diet at 20 years of age, you will add 13 years to your life if you're male. 13 years. That's what your expected lifespan is. Life. I
0: was 20 when I transitioned. Right on. <laughs>
1: yeah, perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. But its it doesn't really matter that you can add years and quality years to your life. So it's not just lifespan, it's health yeah. span. It's how, how many of those years you get to live healthy, not lying in bed sick or taking tons of medications and living, you know, yeah. a, a life that's <laughs> so um 80% of vegans in the United States, self-proclaimed vegans, are women. That's a huge disparity if if 50% of the population is men, that means. That's a huge disparity. Mm -hmm. So why are men so resistant to change? Well, you look at the ethics part, and I think um, there is what the the psychologists have actually put some studies together to try to understand what's going on in the brains of men. Uh, They've come up with some terms. um, One's called omnivores acrasia. It's a state, and this is quote right from the study, "The Meat Paradox: uh, Omnivores' Acrasia and Animal Ethics." That's the name of the study. If you want to look it up, we can speak of omnivores' acrasia as a state wherein one believes non-human animals ought not to be harmed or killed, yet continues to consume the very products even when one has access to alternatives. And we've never had so much access to alternatives. Almost every fast food joint, almost every restaurant, almost every grocery store has alternatives. And of course, there's always produce. Uh, So (laughs) there's there's really not a reason to do that. So we've got this weird juxtaposition where human beings on a broad general, like 90, 95% of human beings all feel it's not right to harm an innocent animal, right? We even have laws to protect animals. Yet at the same time, they're paying for an animal to be harmed and killed so that they can eat the animal.
0: (laughs) Yes, I I tell people often like if if you were to give the majority of men a knife to go kill and you know get an animal ready to be eaten, the vast majority of them would not even be able to get close to the animal. They couldn't even comprehend being able to end the life of an animal. Like living on a farm, I kind of get to saw that, but. Most people can even comprehend doing that, and that's why it's so like at the store. It's not, it's packaged. There's nice light, and there's everything. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, and even chicken nuggets, it's it's doesn't even resemble anything of the animal. It's it's not like you know the 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 meat slices that are in there. You can actually tell it's it's flesh, but yeah. they're so packaged and so distant now. It's a hamburger. It just looks more like a bun and lettuce and tomato. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's almost hidden from view um, another study in 2021 more recently called it meat, co- meat related cognitive dissonance, the social psychology of eating animals. researchers have been especially interested in understanding why individuals morally care for animals and wish to harm them and wish no harm to them yet simultaneously eat them as food. you know it's a really big thing that goes around these viral videos, of three guys jumping out of their trucks racing into an ice-filled water to save a deer who's drowning Mm -hmm. you know and everybody's herald it gets a 1.2 million likes like heroes they're awesome and then they go around and eat a chicken sandwich i mean or
0: or they see the deer in a field a week later and they shoot it because it's in a field (laughs)
1: exactly Our instinct to see an animal in distress is to help them because yeah. we know how that feels.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We know we don't want to do experience that. So we can relate to it when we see that animal in distress. Why is it that we can pay for somebody else to put that animal in distress? It's, it's such a paradox.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're basically paying for hitmans. That's what we're paying for.
1: Exactly. It's, don't tell me about it. Don't show me it. Just keep it out of my mind and then I can keep doing what I've been doing all along and enjoy. It. Yes. So this is not a new situation. Even Hippocrates, way back in ancient Egypt times, said, before you can heal someone, ask them if they're willing to give up the things that made them sick. Now, a lot of people still don't even believe that meat <laughs> causes diseases. And I I think we're going to see some science in just a moment that is going to blow that out of the water. But that in itself could be a problem because you don't want to give up things, right? Don't make me give up the foods I enjoy. So one reason people resist change is because they focus on what they think they're giving up instead of on what they have to gain. And that's what I would rather, if people can change their mindset, you're gaining quality of life you're gaining virility you're gaining your ability to procreate you're gaining your your health you're gaining your ability to be present and be there and be alive for your family and children and the people you care about and love so that's the difference it's don't think about what you're giving up like i don't want to give up my hamburger i don't want to give up my cheese you know Think about what you actually are giving up by holding on to those.
0: Yeah. Can I ask a question? Not, yes. I don't want to throw the sequence off track, but I was just thinking back of like what I, what is the typical comment that I get from men that like are interested in it, but I like don't want to do it. And I think it's the same thing that I experienced originally. It's like, well, I'm going vegan, but I was in the world of bodybuilding and powerlifting, which are <laughs> heavy meat eaters. So I went from one day from eating a ton of meat to like, hey guys, I'm going to be vegan from now on. I got made fun of so badly. And I think that's a big part for men as well is like, mm-hmm. if it was just them and they were surrounded by other vegan men, they'd be fine with it. They wouldn't have any issues. But because in an environment where people are drinking beer, eating steak, whatever, eating bacon, whatever it may be, they just, the, the the comments and the conversation with those people, I think is something that is preventing people from taking a step forward. It's like how how do you navigate that?
1: Yeah, or or just taking a step back, doing it for a while because you're convinced, hey, this is the better way to go. But all that peer pressure and social pressure says, all right, this is just too much. I don't want to deal with this, you know, from my family, from my workplace. I don't want to get bullied constantly. It's just not worth yeah. it. I'm going to go back to eating normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a it's a real challenge, but What I want to do is really show men, let's be courageous. Let's stand up and do the right thing. You know, what are some examples of of men, right? Uh, A military guy. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he's protecting our nation, protecting our loved ones from harm right? What is a policeman? Serve and protect. Well, that, that's a little bit more debatable and some exceptions today mm-hmm. um, where individuals are not behaving uh, according to the creed, but the creed is to serve and to protect people from, from harm, right? So a fireman, serve and protect, right? These are These are the ones. Stand up to the dangers. A policeman, a fireman, Uh, a military man stand up to the dangers the threat of their own life that takes courage to do so to help and support and maintain the health of others that is what we call masculine Mm -hmm. well that's exactly what being vegan is it's saying I will not cause harm to another being when there is no need to I will Mm -hmm. not cause harm to my body and destroy me and end up with a heart attack and not be able to be a provider for my family. That's not protecting my family. That's not serving my family. That's not being a good provider for my family if I'm sick with a heart attack at 29. That's That's not a masculine role. Being vegan fits the masculine role better than anything I've ever seen. And you add to that the strength, you know, 17-inch arms at 60 years of age, totally drug-free after eating nothing but plants for almost four decades. Mm -hmm. Just got to get beyond it. So let's just talk the scientific facts here, because sometimes you just got to get past the, well, that's what you think and that's what your opinion is and stuff like that. Let's just actually look at the real science. So the number one question is, where do you get yes. your protein? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, that's always, I get it in the gym almost every week because <laughs> I wear vegan shirts and then some guy will come up to you and say, oh, you're vegan. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I got the shirt on. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I'm like, no, that's fine. And and they say, well, where do you get your protein? And I'm like, the same place that everyone gets their protein from. We all get our protein from plants. Mm-hmm. Animals do not and cannot make the essential amino acids that make plants. It is impossible. That's actually why we call them essential amino acids. For all animals, it's essential to get them from outside of your body. Animals do not make proteins. They can take proteins, eat them, digest them, break them apart and put them back together like a school kid with blocks. Yeah, that's cute but they don't make the essential amino acids. They don't make the building blocks. It Mm. is impossible. Only plants and some microbes can do that. So all protein originates in plants. Now, if you feed that plant to an animal, yes, it can digest it, but you're just taking secondhand plant protein. Why take All of the nutrients that are created by plants, all the vitamins, all the minerals, all the essential fats, all the essential amino acids, feed them to an animal, then kill the animal and take its plant nutrients. There's Mm -hmm. no reason the animal has to be in that process. None. There is not one single nutrient that humans require that comes exclusively from an animal. Mm -hmm. Not one. Mm -hmm. All of them come from Plants make all of the essential fatty acids. You know, people say omega-3s that come from fish. No, fish don't even make essential amino, (laughs) essential fatty acids. It's impossible. They eat them. Fish eat essential fatty acids from algae, or they eat other fish that ate the algae. Mm -hmm. But it's all secondhand, and it all is made only by plants or, uh, in, in the case of algae, fungi. Algae are in the fungi kingdom. So all of our vitamins from plants, with the exception of vitamin B12, which comes from bacteria. So that bacteria can be eaten by an animal, but it can be eaten by this animal, too, as well. Um, So that's not the case. Um, And then vitamin D3 is actually not a vitamin. It's a hormone, and it's activated by sunlight. Uh, Vitamin K2, which some people say, oh, it's only found in animal products. Well, it's found in this animal product too, because our own microbiome makes it for us. It takes vitamin K1 from plants and converts it into vitamin K2. So every single ingredient, every nutrient that our body needs originates and is made by either plants or bacteria or activation from the sun. That's it. There is no reason to eat an animal product, period, nutritionally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that is for humans. And that gets into a much deeper debate about whether humans are herbivores or omnivores, but we'll save that for another discussion.
0: Another podcast.
1: (laughs) So as you can see here, this is called, and if you're listening at home, and if you're just listening, type Google the words trophic, T-R-O-P-H-I-C. This is the trophic levels. This is, this is something everybody should be taught in biology 101, that per, uh, green plants are the producers of all nutrition on this planet. And then herbivores are primary consumers. And then carnivores are the secondary consumers. You notice that this chart doesn't have omnivores because there is no nutritional requirement for an omnivore. There isn't. So there's really only two classes. There's, you're either an herbivore as an animal, you're either an herbivore or carnivore, and there are very specific differences between that. One of them, real potently, I'm going to go into in the slide. So quite literally, all human nutrition is created by plants and bacteria, and this is the trophic level. And, you know, I hear people say, well, I'm an apex predator. No, you're not because apex predators are carnivores and carnivores actually require taurine, humans don't. We, just like every other herbivore, makes our own taurine. Animals can't make it and plants don't make taurine. So animals have to consume, carnivorous animals have to consume uh, other animals in order to get their nutrient requirements fulfilled. Mm. Human beings do not. So omnivore is really kind of a made up term by humans to justify eating plants and animals. There is no requirement for any species on this planet to eat both plants and animals. None, not one. Yes, you can eat animals and plants. You can also eat motor oil. You can eat garbage. You can eat poop. You can can put a lot of stuff in your mouth. It doesn't mean it belongs there or will contribute to your health. (laughs) So the big question is, if we're taking 41 million tons of plant food to feed 7 billion livestock and only yielding 7 million tons of animal food, how many of you would do this deal? You give me $41 million and I'll give you 7 million back. Would you take that deal? That's the deal we're doing every time we're wasting all this nutrition by processing it through an animal. A it significant amount. Throwing it away. Yeah. And with our population, we can't continue to do this. It's like, why are we feeding plants to an animal to kill the animal just to take its plant nutrients? Would i kill you just to take your money? No, I go out and make my own money. I can go out and eat my own plants. I don't need yeah. to run my money through you or run my nutrition through an animal.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're not even getting the premium source as well. You're just getting the second hand of
1: it, ultimately. <laughs> exactly. And there's a big difference is when it becomes second hand. That's when it actually becomes disease cause. Causal. Yep. And I'm going to talk about that. It was just,
0: it was just, you know, the universe, God saying a way of like, you don't need, you don't, you shouldn't be eating it through this means. <laughs> right. through the exactly. Like I'm going to poison it for you. So you know yes. that you shouldn't be doing this. Yes.
1: So all muscle is made of protein. All protein is made of essential amino acids. All essential amino acids are made by plants. Ergo all muscle is made by plants. That's hmm. even including all carnivorous animals. Every cell is derived from nutrition created by plants because plants are the only one creating it. You know, people say, oh, what about collagen? That's First off, uh, collagen is an incomplete protein. You know, you, how many times have you heard that plants are incomplete proteins, which is totally false? All plant proteins are complete, 100% of them. Hmm. There are only two incomplete proteins that we know of as food one is gelatin bone broth <laughs> the other is collagen they're both missing tryptophan and essential amino acid completely so if you ate only collagen you will die same with bone broth Yeah. Um, Yet the industry has cleverly found a way to try to say, "Hey, wait a minute! We're throwing away all this cartilage as a waste product. How can we get consumers to eat this and pay for it? (laughs) You know, how can we make money on our garbage? Yeah, let's let's convince them to eat our garbage. (laughs) So they made up this myth that eating collagen will somehow make your collagen better. Well, yes and no. So here's an interesting study. The study actually took bacteria and genetically modified them to produce human collagen, our actual own collagen, yeah, bioidentical. And they measured against fish and and bovine collagen and other animal collagens and found it was way more effective. Human collagen was way more effective than consuming animal collagen. Okay, so that should be enough. But (laughs) then they just compared it to taking the actual human collagen again that's a little weird it's a little cannibalistic but yeah. <laughs> but if you consumed even human collagen compared it to vitamin c and vitamin c actually increased more collagen production in the human body than eating human collagen yeah so human collagen is superior to animal collagen and just vitamin C alone created more endogenous collagen. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing that what we think and what we're being sold and told are complete lies. And there are hundreds of millions of dollars of collagen sales out there. The yeah. the animal industry is going, we get this, we get to make money on all the stuff that we were throwing away in the garbage.
0: I've been saying this for years. You're one of the first person that backs me up on this. Um... Yeah, I've been saying, like, when they first started coming out, like, several years ago, I was like, they just found a way to make money from trash, basically. 100%. Um,
1: Yeah. Same with the bone broth. It's like, what do we do with all this bone? Let's convince people that there's something good about it. (laughs) Yep. So, you know, oh, but you can't be strong. Well, actually, the guy that holds the American record for the most pounds lifted overhead at the Olympics is vegan. Mm-hmm. So the strongest single human being in America is vegan. Let's stop with that nonsense. All right. So let's get to the studies on um, whey protein, because everybody considers whey protein as the gold standard, right? Mm-hmm. So this the, the first study compared whey protein and, and rice protein eight weeks and found there were no differences after eight weeks of consuming the same amounts of protein. Uh, They did pea proteins, and they said, well, maybe that's just because it's rice protein. Let's try pea protein, see if there's any difference. And actually, there was a difference. Pea protein actually increased muscle 33% more than whey protein did. Why is that? Well, they used to think whey protein was so good at stimulating muscle because of the high leucine content. Yeah. But what is whey protein? It's cow's milk. It's designed to make a 60 pound calf grow to a thousand pound heifer. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know too many human beings who want to add a thousand pounds to their frame, but if you did, that would be the proper thing to drink. Now, so they thought that was more. Well, no, it's because that animal needs a physiological stimulator to get that kind of growth. Human, adult human beings don't need that. Mm-hmm. But what we do need is the essential amino acids and P proteins can actually, because you have 100% of the proteins. If a lot of it is leucine, well then some of the rest of the other essential amino acids are less because you have more leucine, right? Well, more is not better. There's actually a leucine threshold that shows that more is not better. It only stimulates muscle growth to a point. And after that, you don't need any more because there's no more stimulation. You can't stimulate more unless you're using drugs. Again, they did a large study. 40,000 people found that individuals, no associations, no matter what type of protein, only the amount of protein. So if you don't need enough protein, yes, your muscles will be smaller or not as strong you just have to eat enough protein. It doesn't matter where that protein is coming from. So as far as that's concerned, it was more about how much protein do you need, not what kind of protein it is. Yeah. Okay. To be a good provider, you have to survive, (laughs) clearly. Um, Let's look at what high protein does to the human body. So this was a a really a breakthrough study. The study, if you wanna look it up at home and you're listening uh, as a podcast, low protein intake is associated with a major reduction in IFG1 cancer and overall mortality in the 65 and younger but not older population. So this was a really interesting study because it looked at two different groups, one eating animal proteins and those eating only plant proteins. So they looked at the group with the highest protein intake, animal protein intake, and you had a 75% increase of overall mortality risk. You had a 400% increase of cancer risk Mm. and a 500% increased risk of diabetes. The more animal protein you ate, the higher the risk. It went up. The higher the protein, the higher the risk five times as much greater chances getting diabetes and four times a greater risk of getting and dying from cancer. Now, interesting, they looked at the same amount of protein, like 200 grams of protein to 200 grams of protein. If the proteins was plant, quote, these associations were either abolished or attenuated if the proteins were plant derived. Mm. So why is that the same amount of protein was causing a five times increased risk of diabetes and four times risk of cancer, if it, the protein was from animals, that the exact same amount of protein did not cause any risk for diabetes, stroke, heart attacks, cardiovascular, overall mortality. So that's multi-reasons. IGF-1, methionine, heme iron, saturated fat, cholesterol, TMAO, microbiome dysbiosis, There's a lot of things going on and cumulatively they come together to form disease states that are the killers of common killers of Americans. So IGF-1, that study was done on IGF-1. So what is IGF-1? It's growth hormone and growth hormone stimulates cellular growth. Well, we need a little bit of this. It goes up when we eat because we have more building blocks. It goes up when we rest because our body is healing and repairing. And it goes up when we exercise because we've stimulated or damaged some tissues and we need to repair and rebuild them. So Mm -hmm. growth of cells is a natural process and IGF-1 is produced by our body for a good reason. But overproduction of IGF-1 is not a good thing because then cancer cells can pick up that IGF-1 and use it to grow faster. So not only are you causing the cancer by the food that you're eating, you're accelerating the growth of that cancer because of the animal proteins. Now, why did animal proteins stimulate higher IGF-1 than, and, and higher cancer rates, four times as much cancer than those eating plants is because plants have fiber. Animal products don't have any fiber at all. There's zero fiber in eggs, meat, fish, dairy, any of it, um, meat. Plants are the only producers of fiber. Fiber stimulates a thing called IGF-1 binding, which binds to that IGF-1 and makes it safe so that cancer can't use it. Mm-hmm and actually shown that it's higher in men without affecting their androgen levels. Well, this is pretty cool because then we can have higher testosterone and higher growth, but protected against that causing growth of cancers. Hmm. That's the big difference between animal proteins. One of the other big differences is animal proteins are higher in methionine and cysteine. They're called the sulfur amino acids. Now, why is that important? Well, this uh, study, um, a review of methionine dependence on the role of methionine restriction in cancer growth control and lifespan extension. So we know in humans, this has been done study after study. And for those of you listening at home, methionine is an essential amino acid. It's higher in animal proteins, by and large, than plant proteins. We used to think that's why plant proteins were incomplete because they were too low in methionine. Now we know lower is actually better. So Mm -hmm. the opposite is true. Animal proteins are too high in methionine. It's not that plant (laughs) proteins are too low. It's that the animal proteins have too much of it. And methionine stimulates cancer growth. I want you to type in Google methionine dependent cancers. There's about 14 different cancers that are major cancer killers, lung cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, pancreatic cancer. Some of the major killers, pancreatic cancer is the most lethal form of cancer we know, and it feeds on methionine. It's called methionine dependency. You can actually take these cancer cells and put them in a Petri dish and and give it all the amino acids except low methionine, and it will starve to death and die. You can actually kill and destroy cancer cells by reducing methionine in your diet. That's actually what eating a plant-based diet does. Quote from the study, in humans, vegan diets, which can be lower in methionine, may prove to be a useful nutritional strategy in cancer growth control. They're now actually recommending people who get cancer to go on a plant-pure diet or eat at least more plants and remove that methionine from their diet so you stop feeding that cancer. It's that simple. What you eat either promotes health or promotes disease. And it's really clear that these animal proteins, increasing IGF-1, stimulating the growth of them, methionine feeding the growth of the cancer cells, It's killing us, it's the type of protein. So all animal flesh comes packaged with heme iron. It's Mm -hmm. a form of iron that they used to thought was the better form because it it was free iron and it absorbed very quickly into our system. So they thought, oh, this is better than plant iron which is bound to a thing that we have to break off, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so heme iron is a known carcinogen. Heme iron causes cancer, not could cause cancer, does cause cancer. All right, so heme iron is in all flesh. Fish, lamb, chicken, beef, doesn't matter. All animal flesh has heme iron. Now, what happens to iron as a metal when you get it wet? It rusts. Mm -hmm. Well, that's called oxidation. That's exactly what happens when you have free iron. Plant iron binds it to an antioxidant to prevent that oxidation, so it doesn't become carcinogenic. So we know the two exact pathways that heme iron causes colorectal cancer. One, the endogenous formation of carcinogenic uh, N nitroso compounds. These are actual cancer-forming compounds. And then two, the formation of both cytotoxic and genotoxic aldehydes. These are formaldehyde, right? When mm-hmm. we preserve it, it will kill you if you drink it. That's what's forming in your gut when you consume animal proteins with the heme iron. Wow. So this cytotoxic means it damages the cells. Genotoxic means it can actually get inside the cells and damage the DNA. Now, when you damage the DNA, the cell as it replicates or creates more copies of itself will create bad copies. Mm -hmm. That's what a cancer cell is. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a human cell that's turned into a rogue, bad-producing cancer cell by this genotoxic, cytotoxic, carcinogenic compound, heme iron. So heme iron is not better for you because it absorbs faster. It's worse for you because it is the leading cause of colon cancer. Colon cancer is the number two cancer killer of men and women in the United States. And we're getting it because we're eating animal flesh. Not only do plant proteins not have heme iron, they have what's called phytate bound heme iron. This phytate or IP6 that's bound to it, Our body can break that off in the digestive tract and free up the iron to go into our system. What's really cool about that phytic acid then is it can actually prevent cancer formation. It can actually go into a cancer cell and destroy it. But catch this phytic acid can go in and repair the genetics and turn a cancer cell back into a normal, healthy functioning cell. It can reverse cancer. There is not a drug on this planet that can do it. We're spending a trillion dollars a year on cancer research, and we know what reverses cancer, and it's found in beans and grains on <laughs> and, and dark greens all over the planet. All you have to do is eat these things, and you'll get the right amount of, of iron, and you'll get that protection against iron-forming cancer. It's there. It's not May. It does. <laughs> okay, probably the biggest one and the most convincing one is this research. The number one killer of Americans is atherosclerosis. That is the plaquing that forms in the arteries. And as the arteries close, you get a heart attack and the heart a stroke. In the brain, erectile dysfunction. In the genitals, you get high blood pressure you get kidney damage because as the thing narrows, the blood shoots faster and faster and damages the kidneys. So kidney disease, uh, uh, hypertension or high blood pressure, heart attack, stroke, Alzheimer's disease. These are all diseases caused by atherosclerosis. Now we've known that Animal cholesterol, dietary cholesterol, not the cholesterol that our own body creates, oxidized. That means oxygen has already started degrade it. Once it oxidizes, once we cook that meat, we turn it into oxidized cholesterol. That cholesterol we know causes atherosclerosis 100% of the time in humans. Wow. This study, and we've known this, a a Russian researcher discovered this in 1908. Doctors and scientists know how to reproduce uh, atherosclerosis in animals for animal testing. You just feed them cholesterol, but the animal has to be an herbivore. Here's an interesting thing. Carnivores do not and cannot get atherosclerosis, yet they eat cholesterol all day, every day. Why is that? Well, it seems that you can actually force a carnivore to have atherosclerosis if you take out their thyroid hormone, their thyroid gland. So apparently carnivores produce a chemical in their thyroid that prevents cholesterol from ever placking in their arteries. But Mm -hmm. all herbivores do not produce this. They've studied this in every species just about and found that every single herbivore, if you feed them cholesterol, they will get atherosclerosis 100% of the time. And it is the number one killer of human beings. This clearly shows us that only herbivores fed cholesterol get atherosclerosis. And if it's the number one cause of death, premature death of humans, humans are herbivores, period. This makes it unequivocal. Stop with the omnivore, there's no such thing. Omnivores in the animal kingdom are generally carnivores who have adapted to be able to eat more plants for survival. Mm -hmm. Because remember, there has to be more plants to feed the animals, that's why it's called a pyramid, right? Yeah. because there has to be a bigger food supply than the amount of species. If the species gets too big, then there's not enough food and the species dies. So there always has to be more food than that. So some of the carnivores in scarcity mode have adapted to eating able to eat plants. Herbivores have never adapted to eating more because they don't need to, because there's always more abundant supply of food. Yeah. So a true omnivore is really a carnivore whose body, his physiology, is adapted to be eating some uh, plants uh, for survival technique. Humans are not that. Eating animals causes disease states, causes cancer, causes heart attack and stroke. This picture on the right. I'm sorry for those of you who don't are not watching this visually. This picture on the right shows uh, cross sections of arteries. Uh, arteries in the brain. So the top picture is the healthy brain, cross-section of the arteries of healthy brain, what those arteries should look like. The bottom section is those clogged with oxidized cholesterol. So the body doesn't produce oxidized cholesterol. The only way you can get that is by cooking cholesterol or heating it and oxidizing it. And that is dietary cholesterol from animals. Remember, there's almost no cholesterol in any plant product trace amounts, but not enough to do anything. So 100% of the dietary oxidized cholesterol mostly comes from animal products. Cholesterol is not in plant products. So you're seeing your brain on the bottom slides, all those clogged circles there, that is oxidized cholesterol clogging the brain. And every one of those cross sections were taken from a uh, cadaver of someone who died from alzheimer's disease that mm. is what a diseased alzheimer's brain looks like full of oxidized cholesterol from animals
0: that's powerful All- those are powerful images
1: alzheimer's disease is a horrible horrible disease i yeah. don't wish that on anyone for any reason um It's brutal that your own family members can't even recognize you or remember you or become angry at you for no reason. That is a horrible emotional experience for anyone to have to go through. And it's preventable. Mm -hmm. It's all basically what we're eating. It does not have to happen. Just like cardiovascular disease does not have to happen in human beings. It's not inevitable. You change your diet, you can Dr. Dean Ornish actually wrote a book on reversing coronary heart disease and atherosclerosis. and he showed by putting people on a plant pure diet, their arteries began to clear up. The body started pulling that out of the system and removing it. So it's never too late to make the change. Um, all right, so let's get into if that doesn't scare you enough and tell you that human beings, that we're putting the wrong foods in our mouth. Let's talk about what men think of the foods they're eating. So, you know, I have, one of the things that I hear is soy boy, right? <laughs> <I> <laughs> oh, you often. must be <laughs> eating a lot of soy. And I, uh, uh, so it's funny in that soy would be somehow feminizing. Okay, it's not. A clinical re- uh, review, um, the study says it all, Um, uh, neither soy foods nor isoflavones warrant classifications as endocrine disruptors. This uh, study looked at 417 different studies and found looking at all 400 studies on soy, the adverse effects are also not seen on testosterone, estrogen levels, sperm, or semen parameters in men regardless of the amount of soy intake. So that's just a total myth. That's a myth created by the dairy industry who was scared that soy milk was going to take over their product sales. So they put out this myth saying, oh, if you drink soy milk, it's going to turn you into a wussy woman. (laughs) No, it'll make you grow breasts. Okay, if that were the case, women would be drinking sales of soy milk would skyrocket because a lot of women out there would love that. You don't need a boob job, you just need to drink no soy milk. No boob jobs required. <laughs> just drink soy milk. Oh God, if that were only true, um, you know, soy milk would dominate the, the whole playing field. No, yeah. that was a sales technique. Again, using fear to try to convince men that they should stay away from that product and buy our product. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is the truth? Well, the truth is uh, the phytoestrogen in beer is 50 times more potent than the genistin and soy. So if you're really concerned about phytoestrogens turning you and giving you man boobs, <laughs> how many beer heavy beer drinkers do you know that have man boobs? Oh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's because that's 50 times more potent than soy. But how many guys are going to give up beer because they fear uh, man boobs? Yeah, it doesn't happen either.
0: Beer has good marketing behind it too. so
1: Exactly. Okay. Well, eating meat is manly. Yeah. Okay. So this study, uh, plant-based diets are associated with decreased risk of erectile dysfunction. So why is that? Mm-hmm. One, Cholesterol and saturated fat clog the arteries, reducing the blood flow to the brain, that's a stroke or Alzheimer's, to the Mm -hmm. genitals, that's impotence or erectile dysfunction, and to the heart, heart attacks. So doctors are now saying that erectile dysfunction, did you know that 60% of men over the age of 40 already have erectile dysfunction in America? 60%. That's crazy. Oh my God. And it's, it's because we're causing that fatty cholesterol and, and, and saturated fat from animals are building up in the blood flow. Obviously, an erection is all about blood flow. That's mm-hmm. what makes it erect. Mm-hmm. It's all about the blood flow. And less blood flow means erectile dysfunction. So eating plants actually reverses that. Eating plants boost nitric oxide, which increases blood flow. It increases the amounts of anti-inflammatory antioxidants, which can prevent that plaque from happening altogether. And it protects uh, the vascular health of the body. So plants reverse and improve uh, erectile function, whereas eating animals increases your risk of erectile dysfunction. All right, and this is where it gets really sad. I hear guys saying, oh, I slam down six eggs a day, whole eggs a day, so I can build muscle because it's the perfect form of protein. It's perfect if you're trying to get prostate cancer, then it's perfect. Um, men who consume, this is a Harvard University study, men who consume just two and a half eggs a week, two and a half eggs per week, not per day had an 81% increased risk of lethal prostate cancer. Not just operable prostate cancer, cancer death from
0: prostate.
1: Yeah. 81% increase, just two and a half eggs.
0: Man, I was eating 12 eggs for breakfast for three years (laughs) straight. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. This is not This is not masculine. Now, I've heard some guys say, oh, big deal. I'll just have prostate surgery and get the prostate removed. Then I don't have to worry about prostate cancer. Well, the study goes on to say that after prostate surgery, the impotence rate amongst men was 66 to to 75%. Yeah. So if you think prostate surgery is the answer, 75% risk of being impotent for the rest of your life? Really? Is eating two and a half eggs that important that you're gonna give up your entire sex life for the rest of your life? Or die of lethal prostate cancer? I I really don't get it. The fear of being, you know, judged by your peers cannot be greater than the risk of dying or becoming impotent. That's Mm -hmm. emasculating. Yeah. This is sales, it's not science. The, what I'm talking to you about is science. And I do this to give people information so you can make a better informed choice for yourself and for your family. If you're dead from prostate cancer, you're not gonna be here for your wife and kids if you're male or whoever your partner is. Or Mm. your family members, if you're not married and children, you know, that's it's just a shame that we're being scared into our own self destruction. Yeah. That we're having our masculinity taken away from us by people who are just trying to profit from selling goods that are killing us and destroying Mm. our lives. It's time to take that back. A study said by 21-24, by half of all men will, will will have prostate cancer in their lifetime if we continue on the standard American diet. So, nice study here. You can look it up for yourself if you don't believe me, and I know a lot of men won't. <laughs> that hormones and diet, low insulin-like growth factor, but normal bioavailable androgens in vegan men, quote, unquote, vegans had higher testosterone levels than vegetarians and meat eaters. There it is. It's not more masculine to eat meat. It's actually less masculine because you have lower levels of testosterone. Now, does that translate to fertility? It does. This is where it gets scary. So this one is called temporal trends the study is called temporal trends in sperm count a systematic review and meta regression analysis so a systematic reviews looking at 185 different studies conducted between 1973 and 2011 involving over 43,000 men so a huge amount of data mm-hmm. research the team found that Sperm concentrations fell 52.4% amongst Western men unaware of their fertility. That's since 1973 to 2011. Now, what caused men's sperm count to drop in half? We know what caused it eating meat. Hmm you can graph the increase in American men eating meat as going up, 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 and sperm count going down, down, down. It is a direct linear correlation. The more meat you eat, the lower your sperm count. And if your ability to procreate is one of the defining aspects of masculinity, the more meat you are eating, the less you are able to offer a child into this world, that is about as emasculating as it gets. Yeah. There it is. You can see on the left-hand side, the amount of meat intake going straight up and you can see direct linear correlation with the amount of, of sperm count going down.
0: There a camel on there? People eat camel? Yes, that's
1: yeah, Eesh. yeah. It's 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 the cow of the desert. Yeah, so way to put it? yeah <laughs> uh, Strange to us, but normal to people who live in that area where yeah. cows don't exist and camels do, right? Okay, so what about? Is that true with all people, or is it just true with meat eaters? Well, this study blew me away. The study, for those who want to look it up at home, the impact of a vegan diet on sperm quality and sperm oxidative stress values. So the total sperm count on the left, you'll see a graph. And the total sperm count in vegan men was 188% higher than those eating meat. Almost two times as much sperm So if a meat-eating dude has sex with a woman and a vegan man later has sex with a woman, uh, there's twice as much vegan sperm in there than the meat-eater sperm, and a much higher likely that that will cause the pregnancy. Hmm. So, (laughs) but just on a level, if you're trying to have children, if you want to have children, then you need a higher sperm count A lower sperm count could mean no pregnancy because there's Mm -hmm. not enough sperm to weaken the outside of the egg in order to penetrate so that you'll cause conception and uh, childbirth but the second slide on the right hand slide is what makes this even more important we can joke about you know um this being uh you know Vegan men producing twice as much sperm as as meat-eating men. But this one starts to get into what is really scary about this. So the motility, so um, vegan men, sperm motility, that's the health of the sperm, how fast they swam, was 17 times higher than those who were eating meat. Yeah. So they were really concerned about that. Because that's sperm quality. Mm -hmm. Sperm quality is what donates to your child. So you can read the sentence below that. Furthermore, the oxidation reduction potential and the proportion of spermatozoan with DNA damage was significantly higher in the non-vegan group compared to the vegan group. That means your risk of giving birth to a Down syndrome child Or a a child that is handicapped, mentally handicapped, emotionally handicapped, physically handicapped, deformed, goes way up by eating meat. Now, that breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. That if you are planning to have a child, your meat eating could cause you to give birth to a child that is going to cause heartbreak to you for the rest of your life. I don't want to see this. Mm-hmm. This is not being masculine. This is the opposite of masculinity. Stop believing this lie that meat is masculinity. It's not. It's taking away your virility. It's lowering your sperm. It's lowering your testosterone levels. It's putting you at risk for having an aberrant child, a bad birth. hmm now, I don't want to say any birth is bad, but not desired outcome. Yeah. All children are welcome regardless of how they are. But if you can change that outcome or at least the risk of it, you know, people say, well, that's not 100%. No, nothing's 100%. But if you're playing Russian roulette, how many bullets do you want in that gun? Right? Yeah. <laughs> the least amount of bullets is better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You may still get unlucky and get the one bullet in the one chamber, but I'd much rather have my chances with one bullet than five bullets out of six. Yeah. That's the part that breaks my heart is that this belief system of meat and masculinity, which is being vehemently defended on social media, mm, bacon, you know? Yeah. I'm going to eat my meat no matter what. You can't take it from me. They're defending something that's destroying them. That's emasculating them. Yeah. That's killing them and destroying their, their masculinity. That's what you're defending. Really? I don't get it. All I can think is that people don't know. And it's why I do what I do is to bring this information to light so that people can stop believing the marketing lies, of the animal agriculture industry, whose only sole purpose is to make money by selling you more of their products and getting you to eat more of their products by instilling fear that if you don't eat their products, somehow you're going to be a less of a man. It's full and it doesn't need to happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Like the really
0: powerful uh, presentation. And uh, this is going to be definitely a video that I'm going to send to a lot of people A lot of men specifically, because a lot of people are reaching out to me in the DMs, like, I want to, but I don't know if I should. I don't know if I'll actually benefit from it. I don't know if I'll actually feel good. But people don't comprehend the consequences that come from not making this shift. And I learned a lot today. I've been in this space for nine years and you've been in it for way longer than I have. But there's a lot of things that you shared today that I didn't know. Um, So, you know, a few of my family members are going to be receiving a text from me with the link to this video.
1: (laughs) Well, again, I'm not... I know guys can get super defensive and I'm not out to change people. I'm out at say, here's some information, do with it what you want, but if you do use it to help awesome, then that's great. Cause that's what I want. If you're not going to change, well, you're not, you'll learn the hard way.
0: Yeah, um, exactly. It's an awareness piece.
1: Ultimately. It is exactly. Um, yeah. For those, those who are wanted or open to it or even to challenge it. Cause I'm open to challenge look mm. science is science and we're constantly finding out the old science is being replaced by better information so yeah. challenge away if you find some studies i'm happy like somebody um, after i showed that uh, carnivores don't get atherosclerosis they showed me a study on um falcons getting uh, atherosclerosis so i looked at that and of course they're eating fish out of a polluted area so they studied it in california and the the fish were full of plastics. Well, plastics yeah. are thyroid disruptors. So yeah. it's dis- they're eating the fish, which is disrupting their thyroid, which we know if you disrupt the thyroid of a carnivore, they start to get out of its So
0: yeah.
1: again, it's just like challenge away because I'll take a look at the research and really show you what's really going on beneath it, um, just so that you don't leave that on top and say, see, I told you, even carnivores get it. Well, no, there's a reason for that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No. Honestly, I really I I've learned so much today, and I've I spent a lot of time researching as well. So I know that people got a ton of great information from today. Um, I'm going to put all the links to like to your Instagram, to your website, to, to Clean Machine um, down below. Um, and then once we have the link, we'll put the link to the presentation as well, so people can have access to it that listen to it on on uh, like on Apple or on Spotify. But uh, Jeff, I want to say a massive thank you for taking time out of your oh, out of your day for you know, providing value and making such a big difference. I, I know for, I'm just trying to think of how I'm going to title this podcast because people need to listen to it. So I'm like the title needs to be good to make sure people clicked on it.
1: <laughs> I think just meat and masculinity. I think that'll get guys to read it because you're not making a statement. Yeah. or nay good or bad. You just say, yeah. Um,
0: so. I was going to put like vegans have better erections, haha, or something. Your <laughs> <laughs> sperm is better than your sperm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jeff, thank you very much for taking the time to jump on the show. Awesome. Well, everyone, thank you very much for listening. And then we'll see you in the next episode.